Father, we're so grateful today. We stand in awe of you. We worship you, Lord God. We worship you because you're the one who's worthy. Jesus, I think how all those stripes were laid on your back. And for the joy that was set before you, you endure the shame. You paid the price, Lord, in order to have relationship with us for all of eternity. How could we not praise you, Lord God? How could we not worship you? So, so, so blessed, Lord, to be here today, sons and daughters living in your house, Lord God. We're so grateful to be containers of the very presence of God. No longer having to go to the temple, but Lord, you came to us. And now, Lord, it's in you that we live and move and have our being. So, Lord, we give you all the glory today, and we thank you that you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light to show forth your praise, to declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And, Father, we bless you today that we can live in a lifestyle of healing and health, and we give you all the glory and all the praise for it. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hug a couple people before you're seated. Praise the Lord. Tell somebody you're glad they're here that they are the blessed and the healed of the Lord. And again, we want to welcome those of you who are watching on the Internet. Thank you so much for being a part of our healing school today. Praise the Lord. It's a very special day for us as we celebrate two years. We'll tell you more about it here in a minute. Carly Terradez is coming at this time to give us some wonderful praise reports. Well, welcome to Karis Bible College Healing School. You made it. Good job. And this isn't any, any healing school. This is a very special healing school this week, isn't it? And Daniel, why is it a very special healing school? <laughs> that was your cue. Okay, well, I'll tell you anyway. It's our second anniversary of healing school. It's a birthday today. Isn't that neat? This time during campus days in 2011, we had our very first healing school, and now we are two years old and all grown up. I'm so proud. God has done amazing things beyond that we could even ask or imagine. It's been wonderful. Before we get started here today, um, hopefully you should have received, if you did not do this online when you registered for campus days, if you did, don't worry about it. But otherwise, if you didn't register online for campus days and you didn't check um, the box about healing school, we asked you to fill out one of these registration forms. So if you didn't receive one, if you know nothing of what I'm talking about, could you put your hand up and we'll get you a form, (laughs) all right? If, you don't, if you've already done it, don't worry. If you need one, please take one. And if you could fill it in for us. And when we take up the offering in a moment, we'd ask you just to pop them in the offering bucket, okay? And all this is, is, is in order for you to participate, there's um, a little place for your information there and, and just a little disclaimer at the bottom that we ask people to sign in order to participate in Healing School. And your information is very safe with us. We're not going to sell it to some mail-order catalogue. It's just for our own benefit, all right? We're not going to do anything with it. We'll take very good care of it. So you can fill those in with confidence. Um, you know, every week at Healing School, 
we like to give away product. We like to bless you. You're, we're blessed to be a blessing. And so we like to encourage you with the word and with worship and also give you something to take home. So I've got a few things I want to give out today. You may have noticed if you came in our front entrance and there is a product table that's set out there in the foyer. So um, after the service here, if you would like to, you can go and have a look at that. Um, the couple of things I want to draw your attention to that are really neat. And this book is by Pastor Greg Moore. I know many of you will know who Pastor Greg Moore is. He is our director of the School of Ministry here at Carrie's Bible College, part of the third-year program. He's been a pastor of a church for many, many moons. I won't tell you, so you don't know how old he is. Um, <laughs> but he's written this book, and this is a powerful book. In here, it says there are 12 chapters in this book, and each of these 12 chapters shows a different way to receive healing from God. You know, everybody's different and how they receive from God can be different. And God has a million and one ways for, to get healing to you. Amen. Because healing is his will. It's for you. It is a free gift. It is not of ourselves. We need to receive it. But we can receive from God differently. And this book shows 12 different ways, 12 of the many different ways that you can receive healing from God. So Mike is my blessed intern like in Caroline, if you would like this, if you're a guest, a visitor, not a student here, and you would like a book, ask and you shall receive. You've got to smile and look really keen. Biggest grin wins it. There we go. All right. And this book, um, this was really instrumental in our lives. This book is called God Wants You Well by a very famous person that you might know, um, Andrew Womack. Anyone know that? No? No? Well, anyway, you might hear from him later. <laughs> but... You know, the reason this was so instrumental in our life was because we had no idea that God wanted healing, that it's God's will for us to be well. And until you really know how good God is and that he's only got good things for you, sometimes you can misunderstand God and think he's big and he's angry and he's mean and somehow he puts sickness on you to teach you something. And that's pretty much where we were. But, you know, when we heard a little tape that said for the first time, God wants you well. He's a good God and healing is for everybody, for, for now, for today, for everyone. His answer in healing for you is always yes. That, that rocked our world. And, how, and I know many of you have seen the testimony of our daughter, Hannah. She had an incurable disease at three years old. She was sent home from the hospital to die. And this teaching turned us around. And she, with, with a week to live, she received a, a miracle. And she's 10 now. Amen. She's healthy as a horse. Praise God. And, and this teaching was really instrumental in us receiving that. So if you need healing or you know somebody who does, that's probably why you're here. And you'd like this. Come on, Mike. All right, go long with this one. Go long, that side of the room, yeah. No, people at the back, they never get anything, right? You, you come late, you get the cheap seats. Let's go long. You've got to be here early, get the best seats. All right. Um, and there's one other thing. I don't know whether you're familiar with this or not. This is our new product that we produce for Healing School. Um, but we realized, um, you know, all of our prayer ministers, we're going to call our prayer ministers up at the end, and they're going to minister to you. But there was a training that we developed um, in order to train those prayer ministers. And every year we go through this training. And, you know, we've, we've, been, we've been so blessed. We've seen God work in such wondrous ways. And we, we've seen the importance and the effectiveness of, of training when you use the Word of God as a basis. And because of that, we, we had a lot of interest from people in churches, from Bible studies, just individuals that wanted to get a hold of that training. And so we filmed it. We filmed the training that we do, the exact same training that we do with our, with our prayer ministers. We filmed that and we put it together in this, this binder. We call this the prayer minister training manual. And it has a 60-page manual with it. 
I'm not going to be able to hold this all up without dropping it all because I need another arm. <sighs> but there is eight DVDs in there of the training sessions. And there's um, Daniel and myself and my husband, Ashley, that are on there. And then there is that 60-page manual that goes with it. And it's just packed full of the word and practical advice. There's also a bunch of testimonies in the back that we've seen people healed of all different things here at Healing School to encourage you. And, you know, I just, I just want to just really bring your attention to this because we have seen really good results from it. And I know it's blessed a lot of people. And, it's, it's, and we're blessed because we get to, you know, God is, has used us. But because of Andrew Winemaker and because of Caris Bible College, we're able to make this available to other people so they can go and lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. So this is designed to help you put the word into practice. To go to be confident about ministering healing to other people. It doesn't matter whether you've never prayed for for a worm. Okay, you can take this. This will show you how to get from A to Z and raise the dead. Amen. So if you need this, you can. I'm going to give this. Can I give this one away? Is that Daniel? Is that right? Can I give this one away? Pardon? Give it to a church. Is there any pastors here? Who's a pastor? Okay, I need some help here, Mike. Find a pastor, but you've got to promise you're going to use it, all right? Train up the, your congregation, get them laying hands on the sick and raising the dead. Amen? All righty. So if any, you know, don't worry, we have more of these. You can buy them. They're out there on the table. So you can, you can also order them online. And, you know, another thing we like to do at Healing School is encourage you with, with testimonies. Because the word said that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our what? testimony okay not your neighbor's testimony but your testimony everyone has a testimony and it's powerful and no one can tell it like you can amen so i'm going to ask where's marilyn and drew and kathy marilyn and drew and kathy come on down the time is now for such a time as this okay we just got back from a mission trip to the uk to the united kingdom my homeland come on down here wonderful i'm going to come down to your level drew you can stay down there because you're really tall Make us all look really small. Um, but, you know, the, these, these um, second year students um, were some of the people that, that went on our team. And we started the first healing school in Northern Ireland. So we were privileged to be a part of that. <laughs> Amen. And we saw some amazing things. We saw some amazing things, some great healings. And, and all of these um, ladies and gentlemen here, there was, I think, um, 12 of us all together. We, we prayed for people in healing school. And I just asked these few to come up and, and share some of the miracles and the healings that they saw when they were there. So briefly, if we could just go down the line and just real brief, give us the, the Cliff Notes version of the miracles. And it's kind of hard to say, isn't it? Put a miracle into a Cliff Note. But there you go. This is Marilyn. Hi, okay, lots of things. Uh, a lady who was having a real hard time seeing, we prayed, and then the very next day she said that her vision had really increased and, and she was doing just so much better. There was um, a person I prayed for who had tremendous back pain and the pain left immediately. Uh, there was another person who had a really bad neck disorder with very limited mobility in, in her neck. And as soon as we prayed, um, the mobility greatly increased. And uh, there was a lady whose leg, one leg was shorter than the other. And we prayed and then we measured the legs again and they were exactly even. And that, that lady also had a, was taking medication for schizophrenia. And, um, and then we prayed for that, and she just immediately felt the peace of God all over her, and her countenance immediately changed. She was a completely different person after that. I'm, I'm believing that right now she's off that medicine already. Amen. So lots of good things. 
Hi, I'm Kathy. Um, this was really a life-changing experience for me. A wonderful lady came up to my husband and I, and she had arthritis in her hand, and she had just come back from her doctor, and he wanted to give her medicine that had really bad side effects. And so instead, she decided to come to healing school, and we know there's no bad side effects with God. So um, we prayed for her, and then we just ministered her. When we held her hand, I just so felt the love of God going through us. It's not about us. And just within a couple of minutes, she goes, oh, my my hands, they don't hurt anymore. And that was huge for me because I've always been scared to pray for people because I've, it's always been kind of about me and my lack of understanding and not thinking I'm mature enough in the word. But by golly, it's not about us. Praise God. My name is Drew. And uh, before we left, the uh, student body prayed over us that Monday. And a very, one of the one of my classmates came up and told me that the Lord gave him a word about ankle, and he wasn't sure if I would pray for somebody with an ankle problem. But by the time we got to Scotland, this 86-year young lady came up, and she said she had broken her ankle in three places, and she had, you know, complications with it and, and pain in it. And I prayed for her, and she was healed instantly, and no more pain, and, you know, she was just fine. And... But I told Carl about it, and she kindly rebuked me. She said, "Drew, this normal for the every, for a Christian. You know, that's what we that's what we do. We're in the body of Christ." And so I kind of calmed down. But by the time we got to Ireland, <laughs> the, a lady came up and she had congestion in her chest. She wasn't breathing very very well. So I asked one of the ladies to place her hand on her chest, and I placed my hand on her hand, and we prayed for her. And uh, she started breathing. She said she was totally healed. And so we just give God all the glory. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks. That's awesome. That's awesome. Amen. Healing is normal. You know, if you're sick, it's weird, right? It's weird for Christians to be sick. Healing is normal. It's for us. It's for now. So if you're sick, I mean, you've come to the right place. You've seen a whole variety of different, of different conditions that have been healed right there. Man, let, let that encourage you because when you come, be expectant. Be expectant when you come forward because, you know what, God is no respecter of persons. And what he's done for us and what he's done for these people that you've just heard about, he's, he's done for you too. Amen? So you come forward. You don't come up here thinking, wondering if God's going to heal you, if it's his will, if it's your lucky day, if you've won the lottery, if your number's up. You come down here and take the healing that's yours. Amen? Amen. Daniel, um, would you, are you coming now or are we going to have Ashley? All right, wonderful. We're going to give you an opportunity to, to give right now. My husband's going to come and take up the offering. Amen? Wonderful. Thanks, Carly. So I want to welcome all the online viewers. You know, we have about as many people online as in the auditorium right now. Isn't that neat? So we, amen. Amen. So we have, um, we have uh, people online, I know for a fact, watching all around the world. So if you're online now and watching us, we want to welcome you. We want to make you feel a part of Healing School. You can go ahead and press Ask a Question button, and you can... Um, I'm on this camera. Okay, I'm looking at the wrong camera. This camera. Hi. So <laughs> you can go ahead and, um, and email us. You can press that Ask a Question, and you can email us, and we'll, we'll get them emails. We'll get them questions. We want to welcome you. I know for a fact that we've got other campuses, other Caris Bible College campuses watching. I believe Houston's watching, Atlanta. We want to welcome you, and um, thank you for tuning in or clicking on. 
And uh, we appreciate you being here, so welcome. And uh, for all you guys here, welcome. If this is your first time at Healing School, this is Carrie's Bible College Healing School, praise God. This is the headquarters for Andrew Womack Ministries, and we meet every Thursday at 1 p.m. Come rain or shine or a little bit of snow. If there's a lot of snow, we might cancel it. You can check our website, carrisbiblecollege.org. Carrisbiblecollege.org. Dot org. There we go. You can... You can look us up there. And also, if, you've got, if you're going back out of state, if you're leaving here and you're going back home somewhere, then don't forget about us. You can log on and watch us live, 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Thursdays. You can watch us live streaming. If you're unable to watch us on, uh, live on the Internet, then you can go ahead and go onto the archives. You click on Watch Carrots Live. There'll be a little uh, section down the left-hand side, and it'll be archives. And we have over two years' worth of healing schools archived there that you can watch free of charge. So if you need a healing or if you've got a friend that needs the healing, then you can go ahead and click on there and you can watch as many, he- many healing schools you want to watch. We have um, Daniel uh, Amster's obviously teaching on there. We have uh, Pastor Greg Moore, Pastor Dwayne Sheriff, Pastor Bobby Andian, Pastor Lawson Badu. There's some great people on there. Even my wife's teaching on there. So you'll love it. That's a great, great resource for you to go and use. I encourage you to use that. Um, part of healing school is we always take up an offering in this time. If you feel led to give, if you want to give, then you're, you're welcome to give. We have um, envelopes here. The ushers are going to hand out envelopes. If you need a receipt for your cash giving, or if you need to give by debit or credit card, then you can use one of these envelopes. We make our checks payable to CBC or Caris Bible College. at CBC or Caris Bible College. And the entirety of this offering is going to our student mission fund. And our students, you just heard three of the testimonies up here, they go and change people's lives, praise God. They go out all around the world and they change people's lives. So this money, the entirety of these monies are going to go into the student mission fund, which pays for students to go out on mission trips and pray for the sick, lead people to the Lord, do all sorts of amazing things, praise God. So you can go ahead and grab an envelope. I want to tell you a quick story. As you know, my wife was uh, leading the um, UK mission trip uh, the last couple of weeks and I was on my own with the three children. Okay, there we go. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. And um, I get some sympathy. This is pretty prophetic, I know. But and um, we also we were also moving house, and we was actually going to move house the week after Kylie came back from mission trip. But I thought, wouldn't it be neat? We'd already bought the house. Wouldn't it be neat if I moved house before she got back as a surprise while she's on mission trip? So now I'm on my own three kids. I'm not just doing a full-time job. I'm actually doing two full-time jobs because everyone who would have gone to college throughout the uh, two weeks just came straight to me. So I'm doing two full-time jobs. got three kids on the go, two different school runs to do. I'm coaching soccer. I'm doing all these other things, and I'm going to try and move house. Praise God. And let me tell you, I may have bitten off more than I could chew, okay? Because this house was a repossession house. It also needed decorating top to bottom, floors, walls, everything. So I realized I couldn't do it on my own. So what I did was I got a team around me, praise God, and um, some of them were paid help, some of them were, were uh, people I knew that were decorators and plumbers and all different people, and I, I, you know, I got them in and got them to quote me for how much it would cost, and they went ahead and did the work. I also had some friends, some very good friends, very, very good friends, praise God, help me move house secretly, and then uh, sure enough, at 11 p.m., she arrived back from England. She'd been flying or traveling 24 hours. I'm not quite sure how you can fly for 24 hours from England to here, but they did one of these flights where you go via everywhere to get here. Praise God. It was quicker to walk, probably, but she got here in 24 hours. I picked her up at 11 p.m. She's tired. I said, let's go home, so I'm heading to the old house, and I said to her, I even got in the wrong lane on purpose, you know, heading to the old house. I said, hey, let me show you the new carpet I had put in. 
So she goes, I'm tired. I said, no, come on, let me show you the new carpet. So I got into the other lane, took her into the house, and sure enough, she was all moved in, praise God. All the furniture done, beds made, I mean, everything done, praise God. So I've got some good friends, amen. Amen. But I say all that to say this, okay? Deuteronomy 8.18. You'll know it. Let me read it to you. Deuteronomy 8.18. It says this. You should remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. God gives you the power to get wealth so that you can spend it on yourself, buy what you want, get new cars, new clothes, new things like that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. I've got the wrong translation here. Let me start that again. He gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant. That he... God may establish his covenant on earth. See, I had a big task to pull off. I had this big secret move to pull off. What did I do? I got people to help me. They come alongside me and they started helping me. If they didn't help me, my, we would still not be moved. The house would still not be decorated. It would be a mess. But I got people alongside me to help me. Let me tell you, when you prosper and you start giving, you are helping God establish his covenant on earth. It seems like a, a funny concept. You think, well, God Almighty. No, he's chosen to limit himself that the gospel comes through us. The gospel comes through people. You know, and I won't go there, but uh, Romans 10, 14 talks about how will a preacher go and preach to people? How will someone go and tell people about the goodness of God unless someone like us send that person? It takes money to fly around the world. It takes money to go on television. It takes money to run churches, to run ministries, to run Bible schools. It takes money. To, money's a very, it's the least thing. But it's a tool that God uses or we use to help God establish his covenant. And I'm telling you, the more we prosper and the more we start believing God for finances, the more we start giving, we can help God establish his covenant, praise God. We can help the, the God's covenant be established on earth, God, the love of God be established on earth by a meager thing like finances. So if you're one of these people that say, well, I used to be like this, just enough for me, just me and my four, I don't, need any, I don't want to be one of these people that has lots of money. Okay, I've changed my thinking, praise God, because now I realize I want lots of money so I can give it away for the gospel, praise God. I want lots of money so I can give it away to the gospel so I can help God establish his covenant, praise God. So remember this, it's not about you, it's about God establishing his covenant on this earth, praise God. It's not about you, it's about God establishing his covenant. As we give today, you are helping God establish his covenant by sending missionaries, preachers, if you like, around the world to tell people about the goodness of God. So let's give him faith today. You can go ahead and receive the offering. I'm going to pray. Father God, I thank you for this offering. I thank you that every dime that goes in this offering, Lord, is going out to spread your gospel, Lord. It's going to establish your covenant here on earth. And we pray for a harvest of souls, Lord. We pray for a harvest of people that are going to hear your goodness. They're going to hear about your word and are going to respond, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I thank you that everyone who's giving today is going to be blessed back. I thank you you give seed to sowers. And Lord, these people are sowers. You're going to give them more seed so that they can sow some more, Lord. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can receive the offering. And now the director of the healing school, praise God, the one and only, Daniel Amsters. Thank you, Ashley. I tell you what, I sure appreciate Ashley and Carly Terrett as they are such a blessing in helping us in our healing school. And also I want to honor Mike and Caroline Hesch who have been our healing school interns this year. Would you guys stand up? Praise the Lord. In fact, Mike, come here real quick. He didn't know I was going to do this. Put him on the spot real quick. How many of you have you seen? How many of you have seen Mike's testimony on healing journeys? It is an awesome, awesome testimony. And Mike, I just keep thinking about the picture when the tumor was at its biggest, and that that picture in that healing journeys. I mean, it's a good thing they put a warning uh, graphic on the on the video, right? Because it's pretty grotesque. And I keep thinking about that picture and and how you didn't give up. 
I think that's what really just blesses me so much that here this big growth was on your chest. It was visible to you every day and it smelled. It looked terrible. You know, everybody was telling you, go get it cut off or whatever they were telling you. Um, tell us what, what happened inside of you that you chose to go the direction that you went. Well, you know, the main thing was I had no guarantee with the medical profession. It was like uh, my pastor told me to go and get it diagnosed, and I went, and I saw the fear on their face. And when I saw the fear in them, it was like, wow, they see this all the time, and they're afraid. I should be afraid. And uh, then I became afraid. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, there. But anyway, uh, the thing that it was most impressed upon me that made me stick with the word was the guarantee Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 was my guarantee. It says, My son, attend unto my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, but keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. And that was the guarantee. And to me, it was like, okay, these guys are afraid. God's not afraid. He's given me a guarantee. So let me see. I'll stick with God. Amen. And... And it worked. <laughs> well, and obviously it worked. And you know what's so cool now is I see you carrying a pen all around in your pocket. Yeah, I you, can get to it. You couldn't have done that before. I just had to slip it in my draw. <laughs> <laughs> he literally, for those of you who haven't seen the story, he literally eventually had to get a woman's bra and cut off uh, one of the sides of the bra and, and support the tumor with the other side because it was that big. Yep. And I keep thinking about, Mike, now here you are, not only working in our phone center and ministering to hundreds and hundreds of people every week, but here you are now interning in the healing school. How does this make you feel when you think about where you were and where you are now? Oh, I, I don't really have words. I mean, it's just to this end was I born. You know, that's the way I feel. Like, this is for everyone. I'm not special this is for everyone. It's just, it's just choosing to, to say, you know what? God, you're God, and I'm not, and what you said will work. And just, that's mine. That's, I'm just hold on to that. Amen. Because it won't fail you. It won't fail you. Amen. Right. Amen. And the privilege, the privilege to be able to share with other people the simple, if that's one thing I got out of my testimony, yeah. you know, of the process was, it was so simple. And that's what made it hard for me was it was just too simple when it was just said, okay, and, uh, you know, that's good. I'm, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And then just wouldn't let go of that, yeah. you know, then, uh, man, that was awesome. And to be able to share that with other people, you know, on the phone lines, I don't want to take up too much time, but okay. Um, on the phone lines, that's probably the thing that I've encountered most is people are so frustrated mm-hmm. They say, I'm doing everything Andrew said, and it's not working. And, you know, they're just so frustrated, and it's just taking them back to that simple point about salvation, that we can't save ourselves, and people are good with trusting their eternity, and they can't do anything about it, but when it comes to their healing, it's like, I got to do something to be healed, instead of just resting and saying, you know what? God's got me for eternity. He can handle this 70, 80, 120 years. No problem. 
Mike, how long did the process take from the original until it was gone? Um, I had it about a year where I was just, um, I had my pastor pray for me and other people pray for me. And, um, and then when nothing happened, like in the second year, my pastor said, well, why don't you go get it diagnosed so we can pray more specifically? And so that was the first two years. And then I got really sick, and that's when it turned into a tumor and started growing. So from that point till I actually just accepted that I was healed, as part of my salvation was about eight years. And then after I received that, after I received that, it was just like I was healed, but there was the process of it just going away supernaturally, and that took about, about eight months. Okay. That's awesome. Would you say with me, Mike, thanks for not giving up. Amen. Let's just praise the Lord for this. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we are so blessed. Today is our second uh, birthday for the healing school. We uh, went public with with the healing school after about six to eight weeks of training two years ago. And so today, during campus days, we actually celebrate our second year anniversary or second year birthday. So, of course, there's not a birthday that would be complete without birthday cake, right? So after healing school today, we're inviting all of you. I wish all of you on the Internet could join us as well. We'll have a cyber cake with you, okay? But all of you join us in the break room over here, if you can, for just a time of celebration. And, of course, especially, uh, we are just so grateful to Andrew for allowing us to be able to even have a healing school. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. We're here every Thursday afternoon, 1 o'clock, our Mountain Standard Time. And so uh, tell your friends when you go home and uh, be a part of our healing school over the Internet. We're just excited about what God is doing all over the world. And we're getting praise reports from all kinds of other countries because God's Word's alive and powerful. Amen. And His Word is what brings the change. Amen. And so as you learn to receive it and allow the Word of God to work in you, we're expecting you also to go and lay hands on the sick. And the Bible says that every believer will see the sick recover. Amen? That's our promise. So just a real quick reminder, next week around here is spring break, but we are going to be here with Healing School uh, during spring break as well. So for those of you who are going to be in town, come join us next week during spring break. And then everybody, let's give a great big God bless you and welcome to Andrew Womack as he comes to minister the Word of God to us today. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. Thanks, Daniel. Love you, brother. Praise the Lord. Thanks. Hallelujah. Man, this is exciting. It's great to see what God is doing. Man, these testimonies. I was just watching Mike and uh, Ashley and Carly and thinking about, you know, that their daughter would have been dead. Mike would have been dead. Who knows what else would have been if it, ha- if it wasn't for Jesus. I really believe that a large part of heaven is we're going to just be there and we're going to see things with perfect understanding. The Bible says we'll know all things, even as also we are known. And we'll see how God intervened and how so many things were changed that we didn't even recognize. It's just amazing. You know, this morning, um, 
Stephen was talking about uh, March the 23rd, 1968, when the Lord changed my life. And if it hadn't have been for that, none of us would have been here. I mean, we'd have been doing something else, but we wouldn't have all been here. And just one little thing can t change everything. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I, I believe part of heaven is we're going to sit around and understand exactly what God did and exactly how some little thing that we did can make such a huge difference in a person's life. So what a great deal. And I'm excited about the healing school. We had a desire to do this for many years. We even talked to one guy about hiring him full time to come and do the healing school, and it just wasn't right. And then when Daniel came, and then Gary Lukey really is the one that saw that this could happen and how he could make this work. And Daniel and Ashley and Carly, man, it's, it's exciting to see people doing this. And so I'm just really thrilled. I have to tell you when I'm thrilled because I'm always like this. I never am any different. I have to let you know when I'm excited, but I'm excited. Amen. So this just really, really, really blesses me. Let's turn over to 2 Kings chapter 4. I want to share some things with you from a, a story here in the Bible, a miracle story about some awesome things that happened. This is in the ministry of Elisha. And I want to relate this to healing. This is actually a testimony about finances, but the same principles apply in everything. You know, this is one thing I often tell people. They'll say things like, well, I, I had God heal my headache. I had God heal my ankle. I had God heal my knee, but now I've got cancer. Would you pray for me? The same anointing that heals a headache heals cancer. And it doesn't take any more anointing of God to heal one thing than another. There's no difference. And, you know, sometimes I'll pray for a person and they'll say, pray for my back. So I'll pray for their back. And they say, now I've got a heart problem. And then, I'll, I'll, and then they'll say something else. And I'll say, hey, is there anything else? We can get it all at one time. It's not like there are different anointings for different things. The same power that heals a headache, heals cancer, opens blind eyes, opens deaf ears. It doesn't take any more power of God to heal what the people call a incurable disease or something, then it does something that's insignificant. The only thing that is different is not the power of God that's needed. It's the amount of unbelief that we have attached to it. And most people aren't scared of a cold, of a headache, the way that they're scared of cancer. That's what makes things different. That's why it's harder to overcome things. That's a whole other teaching from Matthew chapter 17. Jesus' disciple says, why couldn't we cast this demon out and he says it's because of your unbelief. He didn't say it's because you don't have enough faith. If you've got enough faith to be born again, you've got enough faith to see the dead raised, to see blind eyes open. You don't need more faith. You don't need a special anointing. You don't need somebody that's got a great anointing on them. All you got to do is get rid of the unbelief associated with it. And you know Mike's testimony that he was just giving uh, he struggled with this thing for eight years, but when he got hold of that revelation that it was already done, part of it, and I've heard him talk about this at other times, is he just rested. It was just like he knew it was done. And they even quit focusing on it. And they just, they, they didn't even think about it. And then it was, a, I don't know, a week or two weeks, they realized this thing looks like it's getting better. It's not as bad as it was. And you know what? They just literally forgot about it. That's awesome. It was the same faith that he'd been applying for eight years, but the difference was he got rid of his fear and unbelief. He just knew it was done. He rested in it. And when you remove that, 
then the little mustard seed amount of faith is more than enough to see things happen. So I said all that to say that this is an example about a healing, I mean about a miracle of finances, but these same principles apply to anything, not only healing, but it applies to everything that we do. So here in 2 Kings chapter 4, let's read this, verses 1 through 7. It says, now, then, uh, now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And now knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thine house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. And he said, Go, borrow thee vessels abroad of, thy, of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour out into all of those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. And she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. Man, that is a great miracle. And you know, when you read this, you need to read it like it really happened. When we read things in the Bible, sometimes people just look at it as, Oh, that's a Bible story. That's like, you know, the whale swallowing Jonah. It's like the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. And people tend to make... Um, parallels, analogies out of it, but they don't realize that it really happened. I mean, this is a supernatural miracle of God multiplying the little bit of oil. And notice at the end that he said, sell that and pay your debt and live you and your children on the rest. In other words, this wasn't just a supply that meant the immediate need, but God gave them so much that they could live off of it the rest of their life. Man, God is El Shaddai, not El Chipo. He, he can not just barely get along. He wants to supply you with a superabundance. But there are some wonderful lessons to learn out of this. God really was speaking some of this to me just last week, and I got really blessed by this. But look at this. In, in verse 1, I want to explain a couple of things uh, so that you can get the full impact of this, that this woman says that she was a wife of the sons of the prophets. Now, when it says that they were the sons of the prophets, this is not a literal son of like Elijah or Elisha. But they had a school, and they called the people who were the students the sons of the prophets. In other words, Elijah and Elisha both had schools, similar to what we do, and they brought people in, and they taught them the things of God and taught them how to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, over in uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, you find where Elijah got caught up into heaven and he and his servant, Elisha, or his protege or his uh, disciple, Elisha, uh, he told him, he says, stay here. And I'm, the Lord's called me to go to Jordan. And he says, as the Lord lives and as thy soul lives, I won't leave you. I'm staying with you. And he tried this four different times and Elisha wouldn't leave him because Elisha knew that he was going to be caught up to the Lord. And Elisha had a... Uh, deal that he was believing for twice the power that 
dwelt on Elijah. He wanted it on himself. And it says there in 2 Kings chapter 2 that the sons of the prophets came out in every single place that they went. And they said, do you know that the Lord is going to take Elijah away from you today? You know, I've read that many times and I thought this wasn't just one person who picked up on this. There were hundreds and hundreds of sons of the prophets in these different cities. They had different schools in different cities and every one of them knew that Elijah was going to be translated into heaven. They didn't know it by the knowledge, by physical things. They knew it by the spirit. And this is under a covenant that's inferior to ours. We now are his sheep. We hear his voice. We can flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We can speak in tongues. We can have things happen to us that these people didn't have. And yet hundreds of these people knew by the Spirit exactly what was going to happen. And I've often thought about this and said, would to God that under the new covenant, which is much better, we could be as sensitive to God as these people were. So anyway, when I'm saying all this to say that when it says sons of the prophets, this isn't talking about a physical descendant. This is talking about a student of Elisha and this woman came unto him because he was a student of Elisha. Elisha knew him. Elisha knew who this man was. It wasn't somebody that he wasn't associated with. And notice she said, thy servant, my husband is dead and you know that your servant did fear the Lord. In other words, Elisha knew this person personally. There was some relationship here. There was some accountability to him. They were his disciples. And this woman said unto him, the creditor is come to take my children, uh, to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Now, sometimes we don't relate to this because, you know, nowadays if a person has a... First of all, we don't look at debt the way that they did. I mean, we just... People go in debt when they don't need to go in debt. People think debt is a good thing. There are people that don't even have a credit rating that will go in debt when they don't need it just to pay their bills so that they can get a credit rating. Most people look at it as being good. In this society, it was not good. They didn't do things on debt. Matter of fact... The Lord said in Deuteronomy chapter 28 that one of the blessings of God is you will lend and you will never borrow. It was a curse to borrow. It says this in many places in Scripture. Proverbs chapter 6, the borrower is servant to the lender. And you know, the things I'm saying right here are kind of uh, weird to most of us. Most of you are sitting there in your mind saying, well, that doesn't apply to us today. It's not right. See, we have a different attitude about debt. But back then, when you went in debt, It was serious. And if you didn't pay your debt, like they could either come take you for a slave, but if you died, then they would come and literally take your family and they would make them slaves until they paid off the debt. Today, if a person dies, the debt basically is over with. But you know what? In that day and age that if you didn't pay your debt, they'd come take your children. So this was an unusual situation for this guy to be in debt. And he died. We don't know what he died from. But the woman came to Elisha. And also you got to recognize that they didn't work. Women didn't work the way that they do today. And it was harder for a woman to make her own way. And so she was kind of destitute. It, how is she going to pay her debt? And uh, the, what, the creditor was going to come and take her two sons. So this was a crisis situation. And she came and presented it to Elisha who had 
she felt like some responsibility. This was a disciple of yours. You know he was a God-fearing man, and now we're about to lose everything, even my two sons. And she was basically laying this at the feet of Elisha to do something. Help me. You've got a responsibility. And look at Elisha here in, chapter, in verse 2. And Elisha said unto her, what, have, what shall I do for thee? You know, basically what I believe that the Lord was saying here is Elisha refused to accept responsibility for this. Boy, this is, this is a great piece of information. Some of you, if you haven't ministered to a lot of people, you may not fully appreciate this, but if you've ministered to a lot of people, this is something that could set you free. That you have people come who are in desperate situations, who look like they're going to die. They're coming and you're their last hope. And they want you to pray for them, to minister unto them. And they have a tendency to do this same thing and tell you how desperate it is and then just lay it at your feet like you do something. You help me. And because we have compassion for people, the, e- the easy thing to do is to say, all right, I'm going to pray for you and you're going to be healed. But you know what? I believe Elisha, when he said, what shall I do for you? That's not what he was doing. He was refusing to accept this responsibility and he turned around and he says, what do you have? Instead of what do I have, what do you have? I'm not accepting all this responsibility. Keep your finger here and turn over to Mark chapter 9 and I'll show you Jesus did this exact same thing. And if anybody ever had the full manifestation of the power of God, I can guarantee you it was Jesus. And Jesus was ministering to this man whose son was demon-possessed, lunatic, and they brought him to Jesus' disciples and they couldn't cast him out. And anyway, Jesus was dealing with him. And uh, it says here in Mark chapter 9 and in verse 20, it says, they brought unto him, they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and heal us. You know what this father was doing? He was throwing all of the responsibility over on Jesus. If you can do anything, help us. It's all up to you. And look at Jesus' response. Jesus turned right around and says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Even Jesus, who had the fullness of God and operated without any limitations, refused to let this man put the total responsibility for this healing upon him. He says, it's not just up to me. It's if you can believe. You put this together with Mark chapter 6 where Jesus went into his hometown and it says he could do no mighty work there save that he laid his hand upon a few sick folk and healed them. And then the next verse, it says he marveled because of their unbelief. You put that together with Matthew 13, 58, which is the same account over in Matthew's Gospels, and there it says he couldn't do any mighty works because of their unbelief. So even Jesus, who was perfect, was limited by the unbelief of other people. One of the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to healing is that they just take total responsibility, and because they believe in healing, they believe everybody's going to get healed off of their faith. I can help a person... But I can't do it for them. Jesus, you could say, couldn't or wouldn't 
do it for them. He wouldn't accept this. He turned right around and he says, if you can believe, it's not a matter of if I can believe, it's a matter of if you can believe. Jesus threw this right back upon them. And I tell you, when a person comes to you for healing, one of the easiest things to do is for you to sympathize and feel pity for them. And if you do that, they're going to stay sick. Thank you for that thunderous silence. Some of you think I'm being hard, but, but I'm telling you what works. You've got to solicit faith from that person. I could take a rabbit trail here and get off track, but it's related. But I'm just going to mention this quickly and then get back on subject. But this is why Jesus would tell, he would spit on the ground and make clay out of the spit and put it on a person's eye and tell him to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Three-fourths of a mile through a busy city street, a blind man making his way through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and camels and donkeys and stuff and a blind man going three-fourths of a mile to a specific pool to wash. Why did he do that? Some people think Jesus just did things to be weird so that nobody could figure him out and that nobody could make formulas out of it. But there was a reason. Faith that that works is dead. This man in John chapter 9 had never made a response. He didn't ask for healing. He was brought to Jesus by other people and there had been zero act of faith on that man's part and faith without works is dead. Jesus would tell people all the time with wither arms, stretch forth your arm. And sometimes we just read that and don't think about it. But he told a man to do something that he couldn't do. He would tell the lame man, get up and walk. Most people today in our sensitive, politically correct world where we're afraid to offend anybody, they would be criticizing Jesus. You're telling people to do things that they can't do. You're unreasonable. You don't have pity. You don't have compassion. Jesus told a man with a withered arm, stretch forth your arm. He couldn't stretch forth his arm, but he told him to do it. And you know what I believe this guy did? I believe he started trying to do what he could. And if all he could do is straighten out one finger, well, then that was his act of faith, and when he did what he could do, then the power of God began to flow and the guy's arm was restored. When he told the guy to get up off of his bed and stuff, the man probably didn't have the strength to do it, but he moved and did what he could do, and as he started doing what he could do, then the power of God began to manifest. And he told the man with the blind eyes, why didn't he just heal him? Because he hadn't acted in faith. He told him to go do something. He could have wiped that spit off of his eyes and just sat back down and said, this is stupid. And he could have just sat right there. For him to do this and walk three-fourths of a mile, a blind man, that's one of the reasons he got healed. And most of the time today when we pray for people, we're just so, we're so compassionate. We're so pathetic is what it is. But we're, <laughs> we're so moved with compassion. We want to make it easy on people and stuff. You know what? Sometimes you need to tell people to do something. Amen. You know, I forgot who this was now. It's a good friend of mine was telling this story. I for, oh, I, I'm not sure. I think it's Pastor Dean Melton, this man that I mentioned this morning about the financial revelation. And he's, he's, he's just, um, he, he will not compromise on the area of finances. And um, anyway, there was a woman that was, I forget all of the details 
But there was a woman who wanted prayer at the end of the service, and Pastor Dean watched the offering, and this woman didn't give a single thing in the offering. Do you remember this story? But it, she didn't give any... This was in a foreign land. I think, it, anyways, in Mexico or someplace. And he watched, and this woman didn't give anything in the offering. But at the end of the service, she wanted prayer. And so she, she, uh, somebody mentioned that this woman wants prayer, and Dean just says, I won't pray for her. And they said, why not? And says, I watched her. She didn't give anything in the offering. And they said, but she's poor. She doesn't have anything. She says, she's wearing a sweater. She could give her sweater. She could give if she wanted to. She didn't give. And this woman was hearing all of it, and he says, if you want to be healed, he says, come up here and, and give. And anyway, this woman kind of just sat there for a minute, and then she struggled, and finally she got up and started moving, and the whole church went wild, and she came up there and took her sweater off and gave, and he was wondering, what's going on? <laughs> Turns out the woman was blind and lame. But Dean told her, you do something. And she, he wasn't going to pray for her until she did something. So she finally got up and she was healed. Her blind eyes were open and she was able to walk. And he didn't even know it. But see, he gave her something to do. Most of the time, we're just, we're too easy. People need to be doing something. If you believe something, you need to act on your faith. And so anyway, Jesus says, I'm not accepting this responsibility. If you can believe all things are possible. Do something. Act. Do something. And so that's what Elijah was doing when he says, what am I going to do for you? What do you have? He asked her, what do you have? And she says, well, all I've got is a little bit of oil in a pot. Now, it's obvious that he was asking a question, what do you have that will help meet this need. I'm sure she had a chair, she had a bed, she had a rug, or she had something. But he was asking, what of worth do you have? And you know, this woman looked at her situation and basically cursed it. What I have isn't enough. It'll never pay the need. And you know, this is really similar to what Stephen was talking about today. That the person who sees the butterfly... They're looking on the positive side of things and how beautiful it is. The person who sees that they're laying eggs and there's going to be caterpillars that eat the root of, the, what was it? Rhubarb. That's also true. But it's just which side are you looking at? Are you going to look at the negative side or are you going to look at the positive side? This woman correctly evaluated things in just the natural, but she didn't see what she really had. This woman, her and her husband were in covenant with God. They were people that were believers. They had faith, and faith can take virtually nothing and make something huge out of it. Man, when God blesses something, little is a lot when God is in it. This woman was looking at the eggs, the worms, the caterpillars, not the butterflies. She wasn't looking at the positive side. And anyway, Elijah said, what do you have? And she says, well, she just evaluated things in the natural and he told her, he says, you go borrow all of these pots and you get these pots. And then here's another great point down here. He said in verse 4, And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons and pour out. Now this is really significant. There's another miracle that happened in this same chapter just down here in a few verses. Matter of fact, I'll give you the verse over here. This is when the Shunammite woman, she had helped Elisha and she built a house for him and then one day her son died 
and the Shunammite woman sat there and prayed for him, but eventually he died. And it says in verse 21 of this same chapter, and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Now that's significant because she didn't ask for this child. Elisha gave her this child as a reward and prophesied over her. And she had this child supernaturally. And she even told him, she says, don't lie to me. Don't get my hopes up. I don't want this unless it's God. And so Elisha is the one that prophesied over her. She got pregnant and had this child. And she laid the child on the bed of the man of God and she shut the door upon him and went out. And then she got on a donkey and she rode to Mount Carmel and got Elisha and brought him back. And she didn't even tell her husband that their child had died. She didn't do anything. She laid him on the bed and she shut the door. Think about this. How many of you, if your child died, that you'd be able to leave him and shut the door and leave and go to a place where you knew there was help? Most of us wouldn't leave that child. We wouldn't do any. We would, we would stay there and experience the full measure of grief and sorrow and everything. There is something supernatural about being able to just shut the door and turn your back on that and walk away from it. And he told this woman over here in the first part of this fourth chapter, he says, you get all these vessels and you and your sons get in there and you shut the door. You know what I believe the significance of this is? He was saying, you got to shut out the unbelief. You got to stop other people. If Elisha was just really wanting to bless this woman, did you know that it would have actually, they could have gotten a bigger supply if they would have just gone to the merchant that they originally, I mean, that they eventually sold all of this oil to. Just go to the merchant. He's bound to have had hundreds of pots. He had much more capacity than she could get with just borrowing some vessels from her neighbors. Why didn't he send her to the merchant and just take her little pot of oil and start pouring it out until she filled 100 vessels or 200 vessels and then sell all of that? It's because the unbelief of other people affect your miracle. Jesus couldn't do many miracles in his hometown because of their unbelief. And I'm telling you, one of the things that I see lots of times with people who are sick is that they surround themselves with family and friends who love them and they mean good, but they're going to give nothing but pity. They're going to sit there and talk about, oh, it's so pitiful. It's so terrible what you're going through. We feel so sorry for you. And you just surround yourself with all of these people that may have some compassion, but they don't have any answers. And you know what? You've got to be able, if you're going to receive your healing, you're going to have to stand up on the inside and you're going to have to start doing something and looking at things differently. And you're going to have to shut yourself off from the unbelief. You're going to have to stop some people, stop some things. You know, many of you have heard me give a testimony about a doctor that said I had terrible heart problems and wanted me to go into the hospital and was going to do triple bypass surgery on me by the time the sun was down. And I just looked at him and you're, that's a lie. I just countered it. I said, I refuse this. I rejected it. And he kicked me out of his office and turns out... There was nothing wrong with me. Anyway, it's a long story, but you know what? If you aren't able to shut the door and say to the doctor, to the lawyer, to your husband, your wife, your child, your friend, your neighbor, that this is what God's word says, and I'm not listening to anything else. If you can't do that, their unbelief will affect you. 
You know, many of you don't even realize it, but here we've been for two days at Campus Days, and we've been praising God, and you've heard some awesome preaching, and you've seen wonderful things, and you're fellowshipping with people. And did you know some of you have already felt differently than you've felt in months or in weeks or in years? You know why? Because you're in an atmosphere of faith. And you may not realize it, but there is an atmosphere around you wherever you are. And most of us live in an atmosphere of unbelief. Most of us live in a culture of unbelief. There are people, I'm sure, sitting right here in this auditorium that you go to churches that are dead, dead, dead. They do not believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in speaking in tongues. They don't believe in miracles. They think you're weird. Like Carly was up here saying that healing is normal. It ought to be weird for a Christian to be sick. That's the right atmosphere to live in. But most of us, if you got sick, people would just come around you and, oh, we love you so much and it's, you're so wonderful and it's just so pitiful. We know you're going to die, but God has a purpose. And, and you know what? That's the culture that most people live in. And you're going to have to be able to shut the door and shut out this unbelief to see your miracle come to pass. This was really significant when he told her, he says, you go in with you and your two sons and you shut the door, shut out. Why didn't they have all of the neighbors there? Wouldn't that have been a great testimony? Wouldn't it have been a great witness to have all of the neighbors that they borrowed pots from to see these pots filled? Wouldn't it have been a great testimony to have the whole town show up? and See, that's how people think. When most people get sick, the first thing they do is call the prayer chain and get 100 people to operate in unbelief. There's people on that prayer chain that they wouldn't know God if he was to walk up and introduce himself. They don't know how to receive a miracle, but they call and they say, I have a hundred people. I have a thousand people praying for me. That's usually the worst thing you can do. Over in the ninth chapter of Mark, that verse that I read from where he said, you know, if you can do anything, it says when Jesus saw the multitudes come running together, he immediately cast the demons out before they got there. Why didn't he wait until they all got there so that they could see this and get the maximum benefit? Because he knew if he got all of the unbelief of those people together, it would stop this miracle from coming to pass. It's amazing to me how people, their relatives, everybody, I'm not saying that they're bad people. They just don't believe God. They're operating in sympathy and sadness and pity. That's not going to help you get well. And they call these prayer chains where they don't know who is even on the prayer chain. They don't know who's praying. They don't know what's going on. They don't know if they're Christians. They don't know anything, but they just want everybody to be in agreement and praying with them. It's the worst thing you can do. Man, you need to get hold of the Word of God and you need to uh, shut the door on this stuff and do what God has told you to do. Miracles don't usually happen in demonstrative ways. The greatest miracles I've ever seen happened without great fanfare. You get hundreds and hundreds of people involved and the chances are that you aren't going to see your miracle because of their unbelief. Some people think, well, I believe God's bigger than that. Well, again, go back to Mark chapter 6 and Jesus, who was perfect, couldn't do many mighty works because of their unbelief. If Jesus couldn't do it, you aren't any better than Jesus. Amen. Amen. You need to recognize, some of you don't agree with this, but you're entitled to your opinion, but I'm not going to agree with you or we'd both be wrong. (laughs) But we live in a culture of unbelief. 
Our world is full of unbelief. It is not a godly culture at all. It is a very ungodly culture. And you, if you can blend into it and feel at home, it just is an indication of how hard-hearted you are. Not saying that to hurt anybody, but just saying it to open up our eyes. So you need to shut the door. And anyway, she began to pour out. Here's another great truth that she told her son. She says, bring me another vessel. And there wasn't another vessel. And as soon as there wasn't anything else to fill, the oil stopped. Did you know it wasn't God's supply that was limited? It was the containers to hold the supply that was limited. And I'm telling you, God does not have any difficulty healing anybody or doing anything. It's the containers. We don't, we don't draw on God. We don't have the capacity to be able to receive because of our doubt and unbelief and fear. And that's what stops the power of God. If they would have had more containers, they, it would have still been flowing. If they would have had enough containers, it still would be flowing 4,000 years later. God's power didn't run out. It was the containers that ran out. And it's the same thing. We're the ones that limit God. We're the ones that place these limitations. We're the ones that say this is hard to do. Cancer is terrible. I've had people come up and say, I've heard of people being healed of cancer. I've heard of blind eyes being opened, people coming out of wheelchairs. I've heard of great miracles, but have you ever seen anybody healed of AIDS? <laughs> like, like AIDS is somehow or another a notch above this. And we know God's power is able to do this, but not AIDS. You know what? That's limiting God. That stops the flow of His power when you start recognizing this. Carly also said that God's above every name. Or maybe that was Greg or somebody today said it. But God's above every name. If you can name it, if the doctors can put a name on it, God's bigger than that. You're the one that limits God. And you need to work on your limitations, not on God's ability. It's not God that needs to be pleaded with. But here's the main point that I was wanting to get from this is that Elisha refused to accept the total responsibility. And he says, what do you have? It's just like Stephen was saying today. Every one of us have a story. You have better things on the inside of you than what you realize. And most of us look at the things that haven't happened yet. We look at what we don't have instead of what we do have. And we start taking the things and we evaluate it in a way that it's insufficient. You know, I could make a million applications of this, but I was an introvert, couldn't talk to people in all of this, and God called me to stand in front of hundreds and thousands and millions of people and preach the gospel. God will call you to do something that you can't do. And my first thing was to say, God, I can't do it. And I mean, it's a miraculous thing, but the Lord woke me up in January of 1973 in a, an apartment complex in Kingsley Place Apartments in Dallas, Texas and woke me up in the middle of the night and I just laid out before God for hours and finally he says, I'm giving you whatever you want. Same choice that he gave Solomon. And he says, I'll do whatever you want. What do you want? And I said, God, I want the ability to speak in front of people and to share your word. And he touched my mouth and he put his words in my mouth and he led me to this scripture in Jeremiah chapter 1, where it says, Before I formed you in the belly, before you came forth out of your mother's bowels, I sanctified you and I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. And, and Jeremiah says, Behold, Lord God, I'm a child, I cannot speak. 
And God said, Say not, I am a child, for you will go to all of the people that I send you, and you will speak the word that I give you. And boy, God spoke that to me, and he says, Don't you ever say you're a child. Don't you ever talk about your inability. Now, see, I had a choice. The same thing that this woman had. God appeared to me. God spoke to me. God said he put his word, Jeremiah 5, 14. That's another verse he gave me that same night. Because you speak this word, I will make my word in your mouth fire and the people would and it shall devour them. God told me he touched my mouth, put his words in my mouth. He said he made his word in my mouth fire and it would devour them. Now, I had an opportunity. Am I going to look at what God says And am I going to evaluate myself and my ability to do things on what God says about me or am I going to go by what I've always said about me? Am I going to say, Behold, Lord God, I'm a child. I can't speak. God said, Don't ever say it. And the next verse says, If you do say it, I'll confound you before the people. And I tell you what, I had a deathly fear of standing in front of people and talking and saying something stupid. Most people do. I've actually seen surveys that most people fear speaking in front of others more than they fear death. It's true. I've had people that quit our Bible college because in the second year we make you stand up in front of your classmates and give a 10-minute talk. And there's people that quit school over it. They love school, but they weren't going to stand in front of people and talk. Did you know that I? it's, it's the same thing when God says... What do you have? Are you going to look at yourself in the natural? Did you know when this woman looked in the natural, she didn't miss it. It was true that all she had was a pot of oil. But it wasn't true that that wasn't sufficient. With faith in God, with His anointing and with His power, what she had was more than enough. Did you know that those other pots didn't have any oil in them? It was the oil that came out of her pot that supplied her need for the debt and gave her enough that she could live for the rest of her life. She did have enough. Are you going to look at things positively or negatively? Are you going to look at the butterfly or are you going to look at the caterpillar? Are you going to look at the good? I've, I've so many people come to me and they've got a great testimony, but it's not complete. Maybe they still got a little bit of pain. Maybe they still got partial problem. And there's some people that I guarantee if they got 99% healing, they're going to focus on that 1%. They're going to say, why wasn't it 100%? How come I still have this? Instead of looking at what God has done. We are just negative to the core. This is fallen human nature. We tend to evaluate everything totally wrong. And Elisha was saying to this woman, I'm not accepting responsibility for this. You can do this. You got faith in God. What do you have? Do something with what you have. And he had her pour out this oil. Look over in the sixth chapter of Mark, and here's the exact same thing in the ministry of Jesus. This is Mark chapter 6. Jesus had an instance where there was 5,000 men, not including all the women and children. They had been with him all day long. It was nearly evening. It was getting towards evening, and his disciples came to him in Mark chapter 6. And um, in verse 35, it says, And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and and now the time is far past, send them away that they may go into the country round about 
and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And this is a big statement. You know, if you read this in one of the other accounts, it's either this is also recorded in Matthew and also in John. If you read it in one of the other accounts, it says, They need not depart. Give you them to eat. You know, the church today doesn't understand what God has given us, and so people are coming to the church. And if, if, you, if you were to bring a sick person that is, you know, terminally ill to the typical pastor today, the pastor says, well, have you been to the doctor? Uh, what can the doctor do for you? Have you taken this medication? Have you done this? I'm not against doctors. If it wasn't for doctors, all uh, Christians would be dead because they hadn't been believing God. So I'm not against doctors, but I'm saying that the average pastor today, the, the default thing is do something in the natural. Go to the medical profession. Take this pill. And yet the Bible says you go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. They don't need to depart. We ought to leave the doctors for the people that don't know Jesus. People that know Jesus, you don't have to take pills. You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to do these things. You can receive supernaturally directly from God. I'm not condemning you if you don't, but I'm saying you're missing out on God's best. It's not let the natural realm handle everything that they can and only in the difficult cases trust God. That's the reason people are in such a mess because they haven't ever learned how to exercise their faith. They don't trust God for a headache. They go to take a pill for a headache. You take a pill to get you up, a pill to go to bed. You do all kinds of stuff. And then when something that the doctors can't handle happens, all of a sudden now you're going to believe God. You've never believed God for a headache. You've never believed God for a cold. You've never believed God for anything. It's not going to work that way. You need to start trusting God. If you were to bring the average person to a pastor that is poor and say, could you help? The average pastor, well, have you been to, uh, you know, have you taken food stamps? Have you been down here to the community care center? Have you been over there? And they will refer them someplace else. The Lord told us that we should be ministering to these needs. But see, these disciples just looked in the natural. They were looking only in the wrong way. And he says, you give them something to eat. And here's their answer. And they said unto him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient. A penny was a day's wages. So this is saying 200 days worth of salary. You know, I don't know what you make, but I don't know, 200 days, that's what, two-thirds of a year? Something. Well, it's not even that, quite that much. It'd be a little over six months, about six or seven months. What do you make in six or seven months? If you make $2,000, that's $14,000. If you make $3,000... Man, you know, you just add it up. Anyway, $10,000, $20,000 isn't enough to pay for all of these people. They immediately looked at their human resources instead of looking at God. When God, God can take a person who's an introvert and can't even look at a person in the face and can have them preach on television to billions of people. God can take somebody who has no talent and ability whatsoever and turn you around and make you a billionaire. We had Peter Daniels here a few weeks ago, and the man used to be a, uh, I don't know if he was a drunk, but he was homeless. He was living on the streets. He was absolutely poor, and now he's worth over $2 billion. Awesome. God can take somebody who's nothing and make something out of it. But we got to quit looking at ourselves in just this new human way. We got to look with our spiritual eyes 
They said, 200 penny worth isn't enough to feed them. And he says, well, make all of the people sit down on the grass. And so they sat down in 50s. And then it says here that uh, in verse 41 that he asked what they did have. This is the exact same thing that Elisha did with the widow woman. What do you have? All she had was a little pot of oil. He says, what do you have? And says, well, all we have is five loaves and two fish. What are they among so many? You know, the Lord asked them what they had, not to give a commentary on what that could do. And so anyway, he had them sit down. And then in verse 41, when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break and laid before all of the people. And the disciple, I wish I had time to teach on this, but the miracle didn't take place in Jesus' hands. The miracle took place in the disciples' hands. They didn't go with a basket full and go feed them and then run back and get another basket full. They took one little tiny piece of bread and one little tiny piece of fish and walked towards 280-something people per disciple. And they went there. And you know what? They walked towards all of these people and started breaking the bread. And then multiplication took place in their hands. That's the only way it could have happened. It would have taken a minimum of seven hours if they'd have been running back and forth. But instead, it had to happen because it was the day was far past and at sundown they got into a ship and went to the other side. So this had to happen in an hour or an hour and a half at maximum. The only way it could have taken place was in their hands. So here were these disciples headed towards 280-something people. You know, right here in this room we probably have 500 people or something like this. This would be like two of us going towards this many people and stuff with just one little tiny piece of bread and one little tiny piece of fish. You know, that's not the way most of us would like to do it. What we want Jesus to do is just break it as fast as he can, pile it up so that there's no faith involved, and all we got to do is just go back and forth and carry it. God, I'll heal people if you give me a burning in my hands or a goosebump up and down my spine. If you prove to me that there's no faith involved then I'll be glad to do it. But you know what? Most of us are afraid to just walk towards somebody that needs a miracle and here we are just Joe Blow, nobody special and we're walking to them. But see, the difference is God's blessed us. God said when we are, because we're a believer, we lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We got to start seeing things different. These disciples started walking towards this multitude of people that were expecting to eat And they didn't have enough to even feed themselves, much less 280-something people. And so they had to take a step of faith. But notice, the point I'm wanting to make is, he looked up to heaven. This means more than he lifted his head. The word there is anablepo in the Greek, and it's a compound word. The word blepo means to receive sight, to see. The word ana means repetition or twice. This means that he received sight again, that he saw twice. What this is talking about, he looked beyond the five loaves and the two fish and he saw things that you couldn't see with your physical eyes. He received sight. Matter of fact, in the eighth chapter, I won't take time to turn over there, when it talks about the man who was blind and he received his sight, it's the exact same Greek word. His eyes were open. Anablepo is the same word. You know what Jesus did? What he had in his hands wasn't enough. And rather than curse it and say, I don't have anything but a pot of oil. What is that? 
I don't have anything but five loaves and two fish. What is that among so many? See, that's cursing your situation. Instead of cursing it, he blessed it. And he looked up. He looked beyond just the physical and he said, God, you, can, you created the worlds out of nothing. You can take this little tiny bit and you can multiply it supernaturally. You can meet the need. He looked up. And when he looked up is when the miracle began to take place. And I've done a study on this. I hadn't got time to go through it today. But there's 15 times in the New Testament where the word look up is talking about miraculous sight, not just seeing with your eyes, but seeing with your heart, seeing past the physical and looking into the spiritual. Matter of fact, I think somebody here today or yesterday mentioned this about when all of these signs begin to come to pass, then look up for your redemption draws nigh. That's the exact same word, anablepo. And it's not talking about lift your head It's talking about see with your heart and look beyond just the headlines and recognize that this is the fulfillment of prophecy, that God is working. The end times are coming. You need to look beyond just those headlines. I think that was Daniel during praise and worship talking about praying for Israel and talking about looking up. And we've got to look beyond the headlines and see that regardless of what they're saying, man, God is moving in miraculous ways. You know, another example of this is in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts, and I won't take time to turn over there and read it, but he's talking about Stephen, the very first martyr of the church, and he was brought before the scribes and the Pharisees, and they were grilling him, and he just began to speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and give a history of the Jews. And so the whole seventh chapter is about this. And at the end of the seventh chapter, it says that when he was speaking, that it was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and that the the scribes and the Pharisees, these Jews, were pricked in their heart. They were convicted by the Holy Ghost and they lashed out on him with their teeth. They began to say things against him and they drew him out to the brow of the city and they began to stone him with stones. And they laid down their coats at a young man's feet whose name was Saul who became the Apostle Paul. And they began to stone Stephen. And it said, but Stephen steadfastly looking up into heaven. That's that same word, anablepo. He didn't just raise his head and incline his head, but he was looking with his heart and he saw past the physical. He saw past the clouds in the sky. He literally saw into heaven and heaven opened up and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God the Father. You can look in the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews and there's many other places that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. Every place it talks about he's seated. It's finished. The work is over. Jesus isn't working. He's seated waiting until his enemies become his footstool. But in Acts chapter 7, when the first Christian was killed, Jesus stood in honor of Stephen. Jesus stood and the heavens opened up and Stephen saw beyond the physical. He saw into heaven and he saw Jesus standing and honoring him. And you know, I personally believe that even though he was being stoned to death, he didn't even feel the physical things because man, he was seeing with his eyes. He was seeing Jesus. He was seeing Jesus honor him. I won't take time to tell you, but I've been through some things. I've, I've been through a situation in Vietnam where most people would have just caved 
I read the account from an unbeliever's standpoint and 20 years after the fact, fear came on me. But in that situation, I was just sitting there worshiping God and loving God and people were trying to kill me. I had uh, the whole hill was overrun and nearly every person on the hill was killed and yet I had zero fear. I was just basking in the love of God, praying for my enemies that were trying to kill me. Because I knew if I died, I knew where I'd go, but I was praying for them. I was just having love and joy flow through me as people overran the hill and tried to kill us. I know some of you think I'm weird, but I think you're weird. (laughs) You can see past the physical. You can see with your heart and things look different. And anyway, I'm relating all of this to healing. That many times people come and what you've been looking at is what the doctors have to say. You've been looking at your body. You feel your pain and you see these limitations. And often people come to me and they try and paint a picture of how pathetic it is, how pitiful it is. I am nothing. I have nothing. I can do nothing. But if you have pity, please do something for me. What I'm trying to say to you today is the same thing that Elisha said, that Jesus said, you need to, what do you have? You need to look more than just with your physical eyes. You need to do an inventory more than just what the doctors have been saying. Well, I have cancer. No, what you have is you have God living on the inside of you. You have the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You have the ability to pray in tongues. And the Bible says when you pray in tongues, you build up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. But see, most of the time, people are looking at the natural. They're looking at the pain. They're looking at the doctor's report. They're looking at what they don't have. They are actually, if they're seeing beyond the physical thing, they're actually looking into the future and seeing their funeral, seeing them suffer this way for the rest of their life, wondering what it's going to be about. The things that they're seeing are negative instead of positive. They're looking at the caterpillar instead of the butterfly part. And I'm just saying that in all of these instances... You've got to start seeing something else. You've got to do an inventory beyond just what the natural says. If you are born again, then this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You have raising from the dead power on the inside of you. And instead of start focusing on your sickness and on your limitations and what the doctor says and what your friends say and all of the pity that people are giving you, you need to stand up on the inside and say, you know what? God has given me the ability to be able to overcome these things. You need to start focusing on that. You need to start building yourself up. I I couldn't tell you how many people are baptized in the Holy Spirit and they come and they need a, a healing or something. And I say, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Oh, yeah. Do you pray in tongues? Yeah. But it's been weeks, months. Years since they pray in tongues. The only time they pray in tongues is in a church service when something happens and they just real quickly say it kind of like a, uh, you know, to let off a little bit of steam every once in a while. But they don't speak in tongues on a regular basis. But speaking in tongues, man, is building yourself up on your most holy faith. It's like finding a switch and you just flip this switch and immediately a powerhouse starts flowing. What I'm trying to say to you is people feel like sickness is bigger than us It's insufficient. All I've got is five loaves and two fish. What's that among so many? It's more than enough. If you'd look past just your limitations and begin to see what God could do with that, you have the same faith that Peter had. That's what he said in 2 Peter chapter 1. 
Simon Peter, an apostle to them who have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. If you say, well, Peter had faith, but man, my faith isn't like Peter. Well, then just tear 2 Peter out of your Bible because it was only written to people that have like precious faith. You've got the like precious faith. And in the Greek, that word is talking about identical. It's not just similar but Peter's was up here and yours is way down there. No, you've got the identical faith that Peter had. Why don't you use it? Start speaking in tongues and build yourself up on your most holy faith. Start resisting the devil. Start fighting. Start doing something. Faith without works is dead. You got to do something. And you need to start resisting and fighting instead of sitting there and just pitying yourself and wallowing in your sorrow and talking about this is just incurable and read on the internet how many reasons there are why you're going to die. And instead of assimilating all of this unbelief and getting around people who are going to speak unbelief to you, shut yourself off from it. Shut yourself up with God. Get in there and start praying in tongues and reading the Bible. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God is health unto all of your flesh and life to those that find it. Uh, Mike gave a testimony about that. Man, take the Word of God. Use the gospel and take the gospel every day instead of your other pills, amen. Flush that stuff down the toilet and apologize to your toilet and then start taking the gospel, amen. If you could see what you've got, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You know what? I don't know everything. That's the reason I don't say 100% results every single time. I don't know everything. But you know what? I know a lot. You know a lot. You know more than what you're giving yourself credit for. And you ought to take what you know and start doing it and praying in tongues and resisting and acting on this and resisting the devil and quit accepting this, that you are powerless. There's nothing that you can do. That's not true. I've given you two or three examples today and you could literally go through the Word and just time after time after time after time after time, you could see this exact same principle operated in that they would sit there and say, what do you have? Take this and do this. He would take something and tell them to do something that they couldn't do. You need to start resisting and start doing something. If you feel like laying in bed and do nothing, get up. Amen? Get out of bed. Resist. If you feel like sitting down and not moving, then start moving. Use your body like a weapon. Start resisting the devil. And don't do it in just your own... There's a fine line here to where you can start using this as a law, a legalistic thing to where I'm going to earn the favor of God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God's already done it. He's put this power on the inside of me and I am not going to sit here and let the devil run over me while I just sit here and wait on somebody else to come along and produce my healing. Every one of us have something that we can do. What do you have? If you've got salvation, that's enough. If you've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's awesome. If you've got revelation of the Word, if you've got any revelation of Scripture, if you've got a Bible, start reading it. Start doing something. Start building yourself up and start resisting and acting on this. And I tell you, the power of God will begin to flow. And the only thing that will limit the flow of God's power is your ability to receive, not His ability to give. God is not intimidated by a single one of your problems. 
God's not saying, oh, man, I hope nobody in a wheelchair comes. That doesn't bother God at all. You know what? He's not limited. It's us that have this unbelief and stuff. And we've got to start blessing what we have and looking up and looking beyond this. You know, in Psalms chapter 5, it says, uh, Give ear to my prayer, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I cry. Uh, I forget the exact wordings, but... And we'll look up in the morning. It says, in the morning will, unto thee will I cry, and we'll look up. That's that exact same word. Look up. That's not talking about raising your head, but in the morning you need to say, God, help me to see beyond the physical. If somebody comes against me in the natural and says something and I've got a problem, help me to see beyond what's happening right here and see your power and your ability. An example of all of this, Second Kings chapter 6, where Elisha, the same man had the armies of Syria come against him and his servant said, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And Elisha said, Fear not, those that be with us are more than those that be with them. And in the natural, that was crazy. There was only two of them and there was tens of thousands of Syrians. But he prayed that the Lord would open up his servant's eyes and, and the servant's eyes opened up and he saw again that word anablepo, he went beyond the physical and he saw in the spiritual and the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire round about. Did you know that that was there all of the time? The truth is that every one of you, you're born again. You got God living on the inside of you. God's bigger than cancer, bigger than AIDS, bigger than anything that you're dealing with. You got the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and the ability to speak in tongues and just draw it out. What you've got is greater than your problem. You need to quit selling it short. You need to start realizing that I'm a world overcomer. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And instead of cursing yourself and talking about, I can't do it, I can't do it, I don't have the ability, this is cancer, it's bigger than me. You need to start speaking that he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. You need to start cursing your problem instead of cursing yourself and start speaking about how God has equipped you. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, every one of us in here has been given enough power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of us. You shouldn't be walking in sickness. You shouldn't be struggling. You shouldn't accept things just because you're over 40 because this is happening. You shouldn't expect. You shouldn't be cursing yourself and expecting these things. I know some of you have made mad because what I'm doing is taking away all of your excuses and you're, you, you don't feel pity for me. I don't feel pity for you. You got God living on the inside of you and you're acting like you don't. You're acting like you're powerless. Man, you need to build yourself up. You need to pray in the Holy Ghost. If you got the Holy Spirit, I don't pity you. You got the power of God. You just aren't using it. That's like a person who's sitting at a table with a seven-course meal and you're talking about how hungry you are. Well, eat. <laughs> Quit talking about it. Just eat. Well, I need this. Well, then take it because you've already got it. It's already placed on the inside of you. You just need to stir yourself up. You need to get up and do something. Hey, man. Well, if I do this, what I might feel pain. Well, you're already feeling pain. Well, it might get worse. Well, it might. You might get better. 
Who cares? I could die. What's so bad about dying? You go to be with Jesus? I tell you, people are just afraid. They're, they are afraid of taking risk. It reminds me of those four lepers at the gate of Samaria, and they were being besieged. And, the, and these four lepers finally said, what are we going to do? If we sit here, we're going to die. If we go into the city, we're going to die because there's a famine in there. They were actually selling the dung of animals for big, big prices. The city was starving to death. People were eating their own children. And they said, if we go into the city, we're going to die. If we sit here, we're going to die. Why don't we go out to the Syrians? The worst that could happen is they'll kill us. <laughs> Did you know most people are so fearful and playing it so safe that they would say, I'd never risk that. They'd rather sit there and starve to death slowly than take the chance of doing something. But I think it was impeccable logic. They were going to die for sure if they stayed where they were. And so what was to lose? Their life? All they would have lost is a couple of days. They were going to die of starvation in just a few days. So, man, they decided to go out to the Syrians. And when they went out there, guess what? The Lord had made the Syrians hear a sound. They thought that an army had come against them, and they fled. They still had their fires going. Their food was there all of their garments, all of their animals, they just fled in terror. And these guys who were four lepers who were outcasts went out and all of a sudden they were the richest people in all of Israel. They had gold and silver and stuff. They ate to their full. And then they went back and told what had happened to the city and they became the heroes. People that had been outcasts became the heroes. I'm sure they had a parade for them. Gave them the keys to the city because they saved the day. And these people, because somebody took a risk and did something, man, it just turned out awesome. And yet most of it, well, I might, if I move, I might have a pain. So what? You've already got a pain. I could break something. Just go for it. Amen? <laughs> do something lest you do nothing. Start recognizing that, man, God has given you power and don't say that you're a child. Don't say, I can't do it. Don't look at all of the negatives. Look at the positives. Look at, man, I've got God on the inside of me and I believe that, you know, when, with God, when God is with me, I am more than enough and I refuse to sit here and live this way. I refuse to be this way. I refuse to be sick. I refuse to have this stuff. I'm not having it. And some of you think, well, you can't do that stuff. Yes, you can. You need to shut the door on all of those sources that tell you you just have to put up with sickness and disease and it's flu season. And have you gotten your flu shot yet? There's no, there's no season for flu in the kingdom. There's no time that the Word of God doesn't work. Well, I'm over 60. I'm expected to have poor eyesight. Moses was 120 years old and his natural force wasn't abated nor his eyesight dim. Why don't you take what the Word says instead of what the world says and start going by that and start resisting and start speaking over your eyes and start speaking that I'm healthy and start resisting and doing these things. And some of you are saying, well, man, I'm liable to get my hopes up and then I'll be disappointed. Just pull your thumb out of your mouth and grow up. Amen? I'd rather shoot at the stars and if I miss, 
land on the moon, then shoot at nothing and hit it every time. That's where most people are. They just have a pain, an ache, and the first thing they do is cave in, start taking something for it, go to... Man, people go to the emergency room if they, have, if they throw up, if they have a fever. Mercy. Get a life. Go to believe in God. Man, resist the devil. Believe that God gave you something. Quit approaching him like you are nothing and have nothing. You need to find out who you are. And you need to start believing that greater is he that's in me and I'm going to fight the devil. And you know what? If I die fighting the devil, so be it. I'm going to die anyway. I'd rather die fighting the devil and go out in a blaze of glory than sit there and starve to death. Amen? Praise God. I hope I communicated that to you, but every one of you have something. Quit. Talk about what you don't have. Quit cursing yourself and start seeing that I've got God on the inside of me. I've got the power of the Holy Ghost. This ought to be bigger than a hangnail. This ought to be bigger than a headache. This ought to be bigger than cancer, than AIDS. Why are you looking at things the way that you do? You aren't looking up. You need to look beyond things. Last example, and I'll quit with this, but the fourth chapter of the book of Daniel was written by Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know how many of you know that, but a pagan king wrote Daniel chapter 4. And Nebuchadnezzar had basically conquered the known world. Babylon, you know, the hanging uh, gardens of Babylon were one of the seven wonders of the world. And Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And in this dream, he saw this huge tree that grew so big it filled the entire earth. And all of a sudden, there came a voice from heaven says, uh, I forget the exact wording of this, but basically the Lord said he was going to take his kingdom away from him and he sent an angel down and put a band of iron around this big old tree and then cut the tree down and said it would be for seven times. And so Nebuchadnezzar called for all of his... Uh, soothsayers and people to interpret it. Nobody could interpret it. And finally, they brought Daniel in. And Daniel interpreted it and said, This tree is you, O king. You have, you have the greatest kingdom that has ever been on the earth. You fill the entire earth. But you think that it's your own power, your own ability that's done it. And so God has decreed that he's going to cut you down to the ground And he says, you are going to be like an animal and for seven years you're going to eat grass and your hair is going to grow like feathers and your fingernails are going to grow like claws and you are going to be a beast instead of a man until you realize that God is the source of everything. And he said, because there was an iron, uh, I mean, a ring of iron around the tree, that's because God has guaranteed that your kingdom will come back to you. And it's secure, but you are going to become an animal until you realize that God rules over people. And so immediately Daniel, when he saw this, said, uh, King, cut off your sins by righteousness and God will prolong your kingdom. But Nebuchadnezzar didn't respond to this. And so one day he was walking and he was admiring his kingdom and looking at the gardens. And as he says, look at all I have done. 
and he took credit for it and a voice came from heaven and says, it is done, your kingdom is taken from you. And that very hour he went out and became an animal that ate grass and was naked, had his hair grow and cover him. And he, the man who was the mightiest man on the face of the earth became a total lunatic for seven years. And I read a secular account that Nebuchadnezzar's wife was there when this prophecy of Daniel came. And in the secular account, it talks about this, that she believed it. And when Nebuchadnezzar lost his mind, his wife, the queen, kept the kingdom together and influenced other people to keep the kingdom running and save it for Nebuchadnezzar when these seven years were over. And at the end of seven years... I'm going to have to turn over here and read this. I can't quote it exactly, but this is Daniel chapter 4. Let me just turn over and read this. This is a powerful statement. In Daniel chapter 4, it says in verse 36, and remember, Nebuchadnezzar is the one who wrote this. At the same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the kingdom of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase." What an understatement. Those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. But look at verse 34. At the end of the days, seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation." Notice he said, I lifted up my eyes and all of a sudden his reason returned. This isn't talking about he just lifted his head up. It's talking about he saw past the physical. Sure, he had this kingdom. Sure, he had fought wars. Sure, he did a lot of things. But it was God who promoted Nebuchadnezzar, who used him to execute judgment upon nations that had been doing things. And he quit looking at things with just his human physical eyes and he saw with his heart and for the first time he finally realized that God was God and he humbled himself and extolled God. Man, we need to do this same thing. We need to look up past our own limitations and recognize that it doesn't matter what's come against you physically. God inside of you is greater than any sickness. And you need to start looking at yourself that way. You need to look beyond the limitations of your own physical body, your hurt and your pain, and you need to look at God and begin to say, man, it's more than enough. This is a piece of cake for Jesus. Amen. It's nothing for Jesus. And you need to start glorifying Him. Father, I just pray for my brothers and sisters right now Father, I pray that those who have been hurting so long and have been suffering so long, that they are just focused on what they don't have, focused on their pain, focused on their problems. Father, I pray that today you've helped them to focus on you, on the inside of them, that whatever they have is sufficient to be able to overcome this. If they would just begin to start focusing on the good, focusing on what you have done, focused on your power on the inside of them. 
Father, forgive us for being more controlled and moved by the physical, natural realm than we are by the supernatural realm. Forgive us for taking the word of a doctor more than the word of God. Forgive us, Father, for being just blinded to the spiritual realm and only able to see carnally and look in this natural realm. And I pray that you open up our eyes, that you help every person in here to lift up their eyes and see beyond the limitations of what they have and begin to start drawing on this faith to bless what they have, to bless this presence and power of God on the inside of us. Father, right now we just do that. We look beyond what has been told us, what other people have said, what we've thought ourselves, and we look at you on the inside of us, that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We look at this, and Father, we begin to do what we can do. We begin to resist and to fight against this and refuse to allow these sicknesses and diseases to dominate us. Father, we've taken the first step today by coming to this place. People that are watching online have tuned in and they are looking. Father, we have taken the first step. Now we begin to continue to speak. We use our tongue. Death and life are in the power of our tongue and we use the power of our words to curse sickness and disease. We command sickness and disease, infirmities. We speak against the devil. And Satan, we command you to loose us and to let us go. We break your dominion and power. We command sicknesses to be gone. All of these curses over us, we break them now in the name of Jesus. We release the power of our words and speak death to cancer, death to sickness, death to infections. We kill those things now. Cancer, you be dead in the name of Jesus. Heart disease, be dead now. We kill you and refuse to allow you to operate. We speak life unto the pancreas, command sugar diabetes to be gone and pancreas to come alive and function now in the name of Jesus. We speak life into our lungs, command all kinds of blood diseases to be gone, COPD, all kinds of breathing problems. We curse asthma in the name of Jesus. We refuse to allow you to have us. We resist you. We resist the devil and he has to flee from us. Right now, we resist you. We push back against this stuff and we say we aren't having sickness and disease. I'm not gonna be this way. I refuse to live this way. Satan, you leave. We command you off of people now, off of our minds and off of our emotions. We command depression to be gone now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We curse that sickness. We speak life and release the healing power of God. We believe that now the same virtue that raised Jesus from the dead that lives on the inside of us, we speak that it's coming out into our mortal bodies that this anointing is flowing through us. And right now, we command blind eyes to open. We command poor eyesight to be gone. Command retinas to be reattached. Right now, Father, we speak healing through these eyes. Thank you, Jesus. We command sight problems from sugar diabetes for the blindness to be gone in the name of Jesus. 
Father, I thank you that you're healing sugar diabetes, that it's done, that you've already done your part. And right now, we just speak that by your stripes, that's healed. That sugar diabetes is over. We don't have it anymore. We aren't going to live that way. We are not conditional upon that. Somebody's kidneys are being healed right now. Your kidneys have failed. And here's the healing power of God. There's one person here that only one of your kidneys is working. And you have accepted that. I believe God stirred you up today. And right now I speak life to that kidney that has failed. And I command both of your kidneys to come back to work and to function and to work. I believe that this kidney is coming alive right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's going to begin to start working. You're going to have to change the way you see yourself, the way you expect things. You're going to have to expect things to work right. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you have had back problems for years and years and you've learned to live with it right now. God is just rising up on the inside of you and say, don't live with it. Don't put up with it. Fight against this. Get yourself completely healed. There's some of you that have had hereditary things that bother you, but you have learned to live with it and you've not been a griper or complainer and you've just allowed it, thinking I can live with this. And by that attitude, you're allowing this same thing to pass right on through you to your children and to your grandchildren. You wouldn't do it for yourself, but the Lord is saying right now, you need to rise up and break this thing over you and stop it from passing on to your children and grandchildren. If not for yourself, do it for somebody else. Man, stand up and stop this stuff from happening. Thank you, Jesus. Man, there's a powerful anointing flowing in this place. People are being set free right now. All kinds of things are happening. There's somebody here that you couldn't raise your hands up over your head. You had shoulder problems. Here's the healing power of God right now. Begin to move. Begin to move. Don't be afraid of pain. Just move. Begin to resist this and you're going to find that you're able to move and you're able to raise your arms and move your arms around. Right now, I command the freedom to come into these arms in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. We release this healing power. Here's people's knees and hips being healed right now. I command all of this pain to be gone out of these knees and hips. Begin to move. Do something that you didn't feel like doing. Resist this thing. Fight against it. And let the healing power of God flow through you right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Somebody's neck, you've injured your neck, and because of that, you just try not to move in certain directions. You, you can't move your neck from side to side, your head from side to side. Right now, begin to move in the name of Jesus. Resist this, fight against it. I command the fear to be gone. And Father, we release faith, and we believe that healing is manifesting itself in these necks right now. And people's backs are being healed. Discs are being repaired right now. Somebody's got ruptured disc. Somebody has had their back fused in certain places. Here's the healing power of God. I believe you're going to be able to move and do things that you couldn't do before. Here's the anointing of God flowing. Father, we receive this. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I'd like to, I'm going to continue. The Lord is ministering to a lot of people. I'm going to continue to call out healings. 
But I want to ask our prayer ministers to come down here, our students that have been through this training. I want you to come down here and as I call these things out, if the Lord is ministering healing to you and if you haven't already seen full manifestation, just come down and let one of these pray with you because I'm speaking what God is doing. God is healing people. And if you don't see a full manifestation of it, just come down here and let somebody agree with you and pray because God is setting you free right now. Somebody here that's had irritable bowel syndrome is being healed right now. Here's every bit of this pain and discomfort gone right now. God has set you free. Here's the healing power of God. That's over. Somebody here has had food allergies. You haven't been able to eat certain foods. And because of that, your whole life revolves around what you can and can't eat. God is breaking that right now. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to be lactose intolerant. You don't have to be against anything that God created for us to eat. Right now, if you say, well, I can live with that. Well, your children shouldn't have to live with it. Believe God and accept your healing so that you don't have to have this. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we command these food allergies to be gone. There's people in here that are sensitive to certain smells and perfumes and chemicals, and you can't get around things like that. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I break that. And I speak that you can be around anything that is normal for most people. You do not have to be abnormal. Here's the healing power of God right now flowing. And I believe God is healing these chemical allergies right now. In the name of Jesus, we command that to be gone. Skin problems are being healed right now. Somebody who has rashes and things like this. Some of you are embarrassed about this. Here's the healing power of God flowing right now and healing these rashes. Command that stuff to be gone now in the name of Jesus. And Father, we speak to this skin and command it to become normal, to be healed, to be natural now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There's some women here that you've had a real problem with your uh, cycle, your period, and it's not normal. You suffer with this. God is healing you of that. That's part of a curse that's broken over you. You do not have to live that way. You are being set free right now from this. You've been raised to accept that this is the way it has to be. Man, God is setting you free from all of these abnormal things, this, this severe pain, cramps and things. Here's the healing power of God flowing towards you right now. Accept it. Accept it. Receive it. Somebody here's got an issue of blood. Somebody's got an issue of blood right now. You do, it could be all kinds of things. I don't know where it is, what it is, but here's the healing power of God. Here's the anointing of God flowing. And that thing is stopped now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Over with in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we receive this right now in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody here's anemic. You have all kinds of deficiencies in your blood. Here's the healing power of God. Somebody's always low in your iron count. Here's the anointing of God healing you. Whatever's wrong with that. Teeth are being healed right now. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak to our teeth and command these teeth to be healed. We command pain to be gone. 
We command gums to be healed. We rebuke this gum disease and speak that in the name of Jesus, we release this power. And Father, we thank you that teeth are being healed, that pain is gone right now in the name of Jesus. I believe God's feelings filling somebody's teeth right now. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we receive it. We receive these miracles. There's a brain tumor being healed right now. I don't know if you've had it diagnosed, but you've been having pain. It's affected your memory, your balance. Here's the healing power of God flowing right now. I command stroke, effects of strokes to leave right now. Whatever damage, paralysis, or any of these things, I command any effects of strokes to leave in Jesus' name, and we release healing. Stretch forth your hand. Move. Do what you didn't feel like doing. Do what you can do, and then the supernatural power of God will begin to flow. And I believe that you are able to walk and move and talk and do things that you couldn't do before. I believe a lot of people watching by the uh, internet right now, even if you're viewing this thing, you know, later, archived, the healing power of God is flowing. All of these things that I'm speaking are for you. You can be healed right now. Somebody says, how do I know if it's me? If you got what I called out, it's you. Just receive it. Man, God's healing you. God's healing people right now. There's somebody in Scotland that's being supernaturally healed right now. You've been having pain all through your body. Here's the healing power of God flowing in Jesus' name. Father, we receive this total deliverance from these pains now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, God's touching lots and lots and lots of people. Father, we receive these miracles. Somebody here has got a pain and a tightness right here in this part of your side, on your right side. I don't know what's causing this pain and this tightness, but here's the anointing of God flowing right now, and we command that pain to be gone. We release the healing power of God and speak healing through this in Jesus' name. Somebody's got their fingernails constantly break down into the cuticle. And you just, for whatever reason, you got some kind of a deficiency that your fingernails are brittle and don't last. Here's the healing power of God coming in. I believe God's changing your entire metabolism or chemistry or whatever it takes to make that happen. But in the name of Jesus, I command these fingernails to be healed, to grow and to be strong. Father, we release your healing power right now, and we thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. I believe lots of people's hearing is being restored. Some of you that have lost partial hearing, you have tinnitus, tinnitus, or however you say that. You have ringing in your ears, things like this. Here's the healing power of God. Command all of that to stop. Command the ringing in your ears to stop now in Jesus' name. Right now. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you, it's going to take a period of time for you to recognize your heel because it's so loud you can't hear it. But when you get quiet, that ringing is going to be gone. 
Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's heart races and it'll just race at times and then slow down, but you have this irregular heartbeat. Here's the healing power of God right now. And we speak to that heart and command you to receive this healing now. Heart you be healed. There's somebody either watching this or here that's actually had part of your heart die. You got a part, portion of your heart that doesn't function. It's like it's dead. Here's the power of God causing that heart to resurrect. This heart's going to start working in the name of Jesus. You had something happen, a disease that affected your heart. And right now that disease is gone and the heart is repaired and your heart's going to start pumping. You're going to see a difference in your energy level, in your oxygen level. Here's the healing power of God. We command the plaque in arteries to be gone. All of this cholesterol, high blood pressure, we break that in the name of the Lord Jesus and speak that that's over. Father, we thank you for normal blood pressure. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we agree and we receive this in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I believe that multiple sclerosis is being healed right now. We command multiple sclerosis, that coating around these nerves to be healed. We speak healing over this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Curvature of the spine, we command it to be gone. Scoliosis, you spirit of infirmity, loose these people and let them go now in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody's got things on your scalp. It's like scabs and stuff on your scalp. I don't know what that is, but here's the healing power of God. This scalp is being healed. Those things are going to leave you in a very brief period of time. You'll be totally free of that. No more problems. You're healed. Father, we agree and receive it. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I believe that this is God. I don't, I'm not just saying these things. I believe that I'm inspired by God to say this. God is ministering healing to you. If you didn't have what you are dealing with called out, that doesn't mean it's not healed. This, these are things just done to quicken your faith and to help you. But right now, whatever it is that you need, you just need to reach out. You know, there's a scripture that says the power of the Lord was present to heal. Mark chapter 2. This was in the ministry of Jesus. This is one of those times where the power of the Lord is present. The manifest power of God is present to heal. And you just need to reach out. You need to receive it. You need to speak to whatever it is that you're dealing with. Talk to it. Don't talk to God and ask God to heal it, but take your authority and right now speak and command this sickness or disease or pain to leave. Talk to the things. Talk out loud. Man, you need to get angry at the devil. You need to resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I believe that people are being healed right now. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we receive this healing power manifest in our bodies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Man, all kinds of things are happening. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I expect to hear many, many, many testimonies about people that have been healed. How many of you in here have already seen or felt the manifestation of your healing? If you've already got a manifestation, wave at me. Man, look at this. This is well over 100 people have already seen manifestations. And you know, there's a scripture where Jesus spoke to the fig tree and cursed it and nothing visible happened, but within 24 hours, what he said had come to pass. And I believe that you've been healed. Even if you haven't seen or felt the difference right now, I believe that that healing power of God is in your body and you just need to give it a little bit of time. Man, your healing is coming. I believe that you've been healed by the stripes of the Lord. And you need to praise God right now like you believe you're healed. Praise God like you believe that God set you free. Thank you, Father, for healing us. By your stripes, we are healed. It is manifest. It's done in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what we have. We aren't going to look at what we don't have. We're going to look at what we do have. And Father, we believe for mighty, mighty manifestations of the supernatural power of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Man, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood is wet. That's awesome. I believe God is doing some great, great, great miracles in here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we agree. We receive it. You just need to stay in the presence of God. You know, sometimes you have to soak a little bit. It's kind of like a sponge. It gets hard. If you just dip it in the water real quickly... It may get a little coating around the outside, but it won't penetrate to the core. You got to hold that thing in there and soak it, and, and it just needs to soak in and fill that whole thing. We don't need to be quick to get out of the presence of the Lord. The power of God is flowing. People are being healed, and you just need to bask in the presence of the Lord. Just soak it in. Let the anointing of God flow through you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We agree. We receive this. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you what. This is what God had in mind for us as the church all along. Amen? I'd rather be here than the best hospital anywhere. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, healings, miracles are happening all over this room. We're just so grateful to Andrew for ministering today. Praise the Lord. What an awesome, awesome time together. Hallelujah. 
Those of you who are still on the internet, are we still on the internet? Praise the Lord. We want to just say thank you again for being a part of our healing school today. We'll be back at 1 o'clock our time next week. So be sure and be a part again next week. Invite your neighbors. Tell some friends and come join us today. I think we had record numbers online today. Uh, we had almost 600 people from all over the world watching online. So we are really, really thankful for you being a part of our healing school today. We love you. God bless you. You receive, right? I know you already have at home. So write us, email us, and let us know what God's been doing in your homes and your families there on the internet. We love you guys. God bless you. Hallelujah.